This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Inching closer to some oiler action. Yes, we are. It's the middle of the week, folks. It's hump day. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins for the final night. Reed had the week off to uh, a little R&R over the All-Star break and the bye week. He'll be back tomorrow. Oilers back in action on Saturday. It's a uh, game against a Pretty hot hockey club right now in the Philadelphia Flyers. Right now they have won uh, five straight games. I believe they're in action tomorrow as well. Yes, they are in action tomorrow. They could stretch that to six games. And the Oilers, they haven't played since, well, eight days ago against the Detroit Red Wings. So by the time they get to Philadelphia, the Flyers will be playing their third game or their their fourth game since the All-Star break. The Oilers will be playing their first in 10 days. So they'll be fresh, but they will be rusty. But, you know, can they get those those jello legs out as soon as possible because it's going to be a little rough in the first period but we got it for you right here on 6 30 chad 11 o'clock the uh, drop of the puck 9 30 is the face-off show so uh, we'll be talking more oilers uh, throughout the week we're going to do that uh, in a few minutes bob stoffer is going to join us the host of oilers now an analyst on the oilers radio network as well along with uh, jack michaels and just talk about the uh, the team coming back i mean they're going to be fresh they're going to have you know, the I, you got to think they're going to be renewed physically. They're going to re, be renewed mentally when they come back. I mean, right now they're still three points out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference, but they got a lot of teams to jump over, and a lot of those teams are going to get back in action on Friday night. So tonight we only have two games. Tomorrow there's I think three, and then Friday's boom. It's just a, it's going to be a busy, busy schedule, and then that's the way it's going to be until now to the uh, end of the season. No more bye, no more bye weeks, no more All Star breaks, no more breaks. Just you know, you get your little natural breaks in the schedule, and that sort of thing. But what are the Oilers going to do with this club in the short term if they're still in a, a position to make the playoffs near the deadline? I mean, can they? reasonably do anything to uh, try and bring in some some urgent scoring help or they just go with what they have and they're going to have to shed a lot of salary later on in the offseason or when the offseason begins and if the Oilers are in a seller position then you got to think you know Talbot's going to go but he's got a he's got a no trade clause you know does someone like an Alex Chason move someone you know do, do others move but Right now, the Oilers are three points back of the playoffs. So we'll talk to Bob about that uh, as we roll along here on 6.30 Chet Insight Sports. Uh, the, uh, as I mentioned, the scoreboard tonight, just two NHL games. One game just underway in Pittsburgh. The Lightning taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Penguins, boy, have they struggled lately. They had an eight-game win streak. That came to an end on January 6th. Since then... The Penguins are 3-5, and five, including losses in four of the last five games. They have allowed, sit down for this, 25 goals. That is exactly five goals per game. Ouch. That's not going to do it. Even with the lineup that the Penguins have up front, 
that's not gonna that's not gonna do it. They gotta shore things up in the in the uh, in their own end of the rink for sure. That is not good. So the Lightning are 14 points ahead of the second place Toronto Maple Leafs. By the way, <laughs> for first place in the Atlantic Division, I don't see the Lightning relinquishing that lead. Man, they are good. They are the best team overall points wise, and they're just simply the best team overall. Still to come, the uh, Buffalo Sabres in Dallas to take on the Stars. And that's a game I think Oilers fans uh, and the Oilers themselves uh, probably keeping an eye on. You look at the uh, wildcard situation in the Western Conference. The Dallas Stars tied with the Colorado Avalanche, 52 points. So those two teams have the uh, final playoff spots in the West, which are the wildcard spots. you got the Oilers with 49 points, but... In front of the Oilers, St. Louis Blues, who are playing very good hockey these days. So are the Arizona Coyotes, the Anaheim Ducks, Vancouver Canucks. It is a logjam, folks. It's crazy how this uh, this season is going. Uh, we'll be talking Super Bowl. You'll hear from uh, Roger Goodell, some comments he made uh, today at his State of the League address. And Roger Goodell is a master... Uh, public speaking and staying on message but of course and you'll hear more comments uh, later on in the uh, second hour but of course the new orleans saints los angeles rams nsc championship game came up and that non-call pass interference and a roughness penalty that could have been called could have been two fouls on the play but got nothing that could have changed the course of that game the saints could be playing the patriots in the super bowl so, competition committee, Goodell says, they're going to consider changing the rules, allowing recourse for a blatant non-call. We understand the frustration of the fans. Um, I've talked to Coach Payton, uh, the team, the players. Uh, we understand the frustration uh, that they feel right now, and we uh, certainly want to address that. So as I said, you'll hear more from Roger Goodell later on in the show. We will be going to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta uh, later on in the show next hour. And as a matter of fact, we'll be joined by Chris Raybon, senior editor and NFL analyst for the Action Network. We'll, we'll take a look at this game from more of a betting uh, angle. And this game's going to be bet on like crazy. In fact, the, the, uh, super, the uh, Patriots are in line to be the most bet team in Super Bowl history. I think it's over 85% of the bets are going towards the Patriots, even though the line is like two and a half in favor of the Patriots, so uh, that's something. But uh, I know a lot of people are sick of the Patriots, but and I'm a Patriots fan, and I know that the end is near, I think. I've been saying this for a long time now. <laughs> it feels like the last few years, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And the Patriots are always back in the, in the big game, but there's going to be a lot of L.A. Rams fans uh, cheering, against the, you know, cheering against the Patriots. Some new L.A. Rams fans. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, as a Pats fan, we need your hate. Anyway, it's 6-13. When we come back, we'll talk some Oilers. And uh, I know this man's going to want to talk some Edmonton Eskimos, but we'll uh, fire some questions about the Oilers uh, towards Bob Stoffer when we come back here on the Wednesday evening edition of 6-30 Chad Inside Sports. Six sixteen. Penguins are on the board. 
Riley Sheehan scores his seventh goal of the season, 325 into the first period. The Penguins up 1-0 on the Tampa Bay Lightning and still to come Dallas Stars taking on the Buffalo Sabres. That'll be at the bottom of the clock. Well, it's the uh, bye week. It's been a long, long break for the uh, Edmonton Oilers and uh, something we're not used to. Uh, Reed Wilkins is back tomorrow. This man, though, he stuck around to host his show. It's Bob Stoffer, the host of Oilers Now and the analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. Bobby! How are you, Dave? I'm well. How are you, sir? Not bad. I mean, looking forward to getting started here. And, uh, you know, obviously a very uh, difficult decision uh, that was made. Uh, fans would say it's an easy decision, but it's never a, an e- easy decision when you're making that significant of a move. Uh, you know, you lived through it a couple of years ago when Ed Hervey was let go. Um, yep. And so, uh, you know, obviously... A little bit different perspective here moving forward, and Edmonton in a difficult position if they want to chase down a playoff spot. Yeah, and you you look at their the the deficit with points, and it's just three. But man, they got a lot of teams to climb over. There's some teams that are heating up. Uh, the Coyotes have been playing some good hockey. The Blues have been playing some good hockey. Um, the Oilers could use an Oscar Kleffbaum healthy, and uh, I don't know what if he's still on track to come back on the weekend. But uh, there's there's a lot of work for this team to do even. Even though it is a three-point deficit yeah the team was 17 12 and 2 with cleft bomb in the lineup so uh when he went out against the colorado avalanche they were they were in a good spot in fact at that point they actually got to 18 12 and 3 david as you know that put them within four points of top spot in the uh, pacific division mm-hmm. and now they're they're a mile off that so edmonton's competing for one of two uh, wild card positions uh They are competing against a group of teams that includes a couple teams, one of whom is going to be gaining uh, between Dallas and Minnesota, or Colorado's even still in it. It's going to end up getting that third spot in the Central. But uh, the owners unquestionably have some work to do, and Clefbaum's return, we're going to have a better idea by about this time tomorrow because he's expected to be back fully practicing, uh, as to uh, likely will be Andre Sekera. Uh, the owners are going to have to make some moves if they activate them both. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting to watch here. But there's no question. You know, you can make an argument right now that Oscar Clefbaum Davis, their second most important player. I mean, I, I would say most nights your goalie's as important as anybody. And then you got Connor McDavid, so maybe your third most important. But the record speaks for itself. They're a lot better team with him in the lineup than out of it. He plays 25 minutes a game. Bob Stoffer joining us here on 6:30. Chat Inside Sports. You know this team could use some scoring help, but you know with the situation with with their cap, um, how arduous is that going to? Uh, how arduous of a task is that? And, and second question is: it, Is the solution going to have to come when, most likely from within? Yeah, I think you nailed it there, Dave. I mean, you look at their salary cap position; they don't have a lot of flexibility. You know, I, they really they were unsure as to the you know, how long Chris Russell would be out for, whether or not this would be a reoccurring situation for him. That's where they went and got the two defensemen. And at the time that they made the deal for the 2D, I think there was people that thought maybe Clefbaum would be out eight weeks instead of six. So, uh, you know, they've, some would say, I mean, certainly up front, this team isn't as good as it was at the start of the year. Traded Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner. Ryan Strom's playing for the Rangers. Right now he's playing in their top six because they got some injuries, but he certainly could have played in Edmonton as the number seven forward as a third-line center. And then Kajula could play all over the lineup. And not having those two players has changed the complexion, the makeup of the Oilers' offense that was already challenged. So 100% uh, the solution is going to have to come within. I, I'll be interested to see if they play. Well, they can't play the same, Dave, because the no. way they played 
the last three games. I was losing hockey. So they got to change some things around here if they're going to make any kind of run at all. But there's no magical. I mean, other than Kleppbaum slotting players differently on defense and potentially uh, Andre Sakura, there's no magic elixir up front. Like, it's going to no. have to come from what's there already. Yeah, and it it, it almost seems like, because the issue up front is, is a big issue, um, and when you're going to insert a cleft bomb and a sacra back in your lineup, and they need better goaltending for this scenario to happen, then I'm going to lay well, out here. Yeah. But yeah. they, you know, it seems that they just need to play a much better game in their own zone and pick their spots when they're going to, you know, when they're going to transition and get out and be on the attack. Because it just, you know, the goals aren't coming except for, you know, three, four sources. Well, Dave, that's what's crazy about all of this. McDavid's ahead of the best pace he's ever had. Uh, Nugent Hopkins is having his best career totals, you know. He's got 46 points in 50 games. McDavid's at 73 and 49. Dry settles at 61 and 50. To this point, this juncture in the season, those are all career highs for those three players. That's what's concerning about yeah. the position that Edmonton's in is they are getting the production from their top three guys. I'll be intrigued to see if Ken Hitchcock allows artistic license for their top guys, but then the guys that play further down the lineup maybe have to play a little bit differently. That's not typical with hockey. But that might be what the owners need to do here. And again, getting healthier on defense certainly is going to provide them some more options as well. Bob Stoffer joins us here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Joel Pearson, who was signed to a one-year contract extension uh, yesterday, uh, playing the uh, Swedish Hockey League and having a pretty good season with uh, 22 points in 35 games. Yeah, you know, I'd like to tell you I know a lot about him. I've never seen him play. Uh, I've seen some videos of him. Um, you know, like with, with your role doing football, I mean, you get a chance to see some of the NCAA guys play. And maybe, okay, I don't know how often you get out and see uh, youth sports games. I still try to get into two a year. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like I, you know, other than seeing a kid from Lavelle play on TV once a year, you know, I don't get an, an extensive uh, scouting report. I, I defer to a guy like uh, Mike Zanier, who's the, you know, former Oilers uh, depth goaltender in their organization that does radio in Sweden. He thinks right now uh, Joel uh, Parison is the, the best defenseman right now playing in the Swedish Elite League. So right. I think he will be coming, Dave, at the end of the year and certainly be competing for a job next season. Uh, and the Oilers could have a very lo- different-looking defense at the start of next year. Like, not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Person and uh, Evan Bouchard would be in the second and third pairings, and the Oilers would you know slot Nurse in the second pairing and Russell in the third and keep Manning here as the number seven defenseman. But that's a ways away yet. So they got at least in the short term here, between now and the trade deadline, they got to get some traction to, to get in any kind of run at all. And that's why Clefbaum and Secker are so important here moving forward. Okay. I, I know you want to talk Eskimos. So yeah. fire away. You tell me. Fire so away. What, what, Dave, <laughs> what is going to happen with the quarterback situation with Mike Riley? It's uh, a very cloudy situation, I think. Uh, if you're... If you're in the Eskimos position, who, and I'll, I'll tell you this right now, general manager Brock Sunderland has done everything in his power to this point to get Mike Riley signed. He has given him very good offers. I mean, we're talking about over $600,000. But Mike Riley, he's true to his word. He is going to wait until free agency. And I think there's a bit of surveillance that he is going to do. There's some CBA ties to this as well, but I don't think the cap is going to go up 
by a significant amount. It's going to go up, but I don't think it's going to be like last uh, time out where it went up over, you know, $500,000. Um, but, you know, I think he's going to sit back. And he's going to look at what the Eskimos do. He's going to look at what the Lions do in free agency, how they're setting themselves up. And there could be other teams involved, too. Like if Bo Levi Mitchell signs a deal with the NFL, which is starting to look a little bleaker by the day, um, do the Calgary Stampeders come into the mix? I don't see him going east at all because I don't think it fits with his family. But I think the Eskimos are in the mix. But I think, you know, the optimism was was quite high, I think, at the end of the season and even going towards Christmas. And I think this month, uh, as we head to February here in a couple days, I think there's a little bit of concern about what is going on uh, from the Mike Riley camp. But I think Mike Riley saying, I'm taking my time and I'm going to weigh my options and I'm not going to make a rush decision here. And that's making people in Edmonton, very nervous. Well, you know what? There's certain athletes that want to play where the action is, you know? Uh, I'm going to be intrigued to see what Taylor Hall does in the summer of 2020 because uh-huh. there's no action in New Jersey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's certain places that are deep at center that might in, in interest a, a winger. Um, and I look at Mike Riley and, you know, why would he want to play in the Eastern Conference? Nobody cares there. Yeah. The people that care about... You know, I, when Montreal is good, they care. Sure. I don't know how much they care right now. And... In terms of the CFL, the people that care about the game are in Western Canada. So those three franchises, and, and you know, obviously Saskatchewan, they care. Edmonton, they care. Calgary's been the top franchise in the league for a number of years. Ed Hervey Factor in BC. It's going to be compelling to watch. What's the cap up to? I thought it was like 5.2 or 5.4, Dave. It's 5.2 It's five two right now. And okay. how it's worked the last two CBA, uh, the last two CBAs is that the increases are negotiated uh, per year. So it was okay. five million in 2014, and then, then it was, you know, it went up by half a million each season until you know this year we're at 5.2, and that that's another that's another troubling aspect for teams. And you know we're seeing we're seeing players sign now, so it's starting to get busier. But you know if you're an agent dealing with a client. Uh, and, and you're a general manager dealing with the agent or with a player, you, you can't tell them what the cap number is going to be right now. So that makes it a little problematic. But we're seeing a lot more signings now. So free agency is on the, on the 12th, so we're under three weeks aw- or two weeks away from that point, and it's probably going to be business as usual. But if you're Mike Riley, you're probably going to wait a little bit longer. Are they, is the league minimum still around 45K? It's 50, 55, 56, and that number has to go up. It has yeah, to go well, up somehow. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Eskimos have almost been penalized, and I know that, you know, Len Rhodes played a factor in the cap on uh, management and coaching as well, which surprised me because, to me, that's where Edmonton needed to spend more based upon what their fans give them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like you know, I think there, there, there's, there's no salary cap on research and development. I wish the Eskimos best of luck, and Mike Riley can tell you, you know, I listen to you guys and watch, you know, virtually every game. And... Uh, they, I'm not quite sure how good that team was last year. I think they had a decent team the year before. Obviously, the year before that, they won the Grey Cup. It's, but it's not going to be the same if he's not back. And I'll be very intrigued to see who Brock brings in to potentially replace him. Any ideas? Uh, well, I think Jonathan Jennings makes the most sense. There you go. So you're, yeah. you're looking at a BC for Edmonton switch there. Pretty, pretty much, so. yeah. If, I think you're right. Because uh, Travis Lule is still contemplating 
his future, and I think retirement is a real possibility for him. Uh, if yeah. he if he was healthier, I'd say go take a stab at Lule. But uh, yeah, I think Jonathan Jennings makes sense, and depending what happens with the Argos, James Franklin might make sense too. I was gonna say that's to me that's the wild card. I always thought he had a little bit more to give. Yeah. At the next level, and I was surprised in his deployment. I mean, he basically got supplanted. What was it? Uh, McLeod Bethel. What, how do you pronounce M- McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that was that was a surprise to me. He ended up losing that battle out to Bethel Thompson. So there might be an opportunity uh, for Franklin to uh, potentially resurface. It's going to be intriguing. Bob, stay tuned, buddy. All right, thanks, man. Take care. You too. Take care. All right, Bob Stoffer, the uh, host of Oilers Now, analyst on the Oilers Radio Network, talking uh, Oilers and. The future of Mike Riley and the future clear as mud right now. Clear as mud. News is next from the 630 Chet 24-hour news center. When we come back, uh, we'll head down to the farm, talk to the American Hockey League Player of the Week, one Joseph Gambardella. That's when Inside Sports continues. Welcome back to the show, 635. The Pittsburgh Penguins are saying streak. We don't need no stinking losing streak. Lost three in a row coming into the game, and three of their last eight games allowing five goals a game in that stretch. Right now, they're up 3-0 on the uh, league's best team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. As I mentioned, uh, Riley Sheehan scored his seventh. Phil Kessel scores his 21st of the season. Sidney Crosby, the all-star game MVP. Seven points. Five in the final. Uh, He gets his 22nd goal of the season. Uh, Kessel's goal, by the way, uh, puts him past Eddie Olchek for 16th all-time in career points by a U.S.-born player. He has 795. Well, he's going to push hard. He's got to push hard there to uh, try and get to 1,000 points in his career. Yeah, well, he's on the right team to do it. Pittsburgh Penguins still has some good offense. You can text in at 630-630. Uh, Lynn from Calgary says, Dave, you know what's so crazy about the CFL salary cap? Connor McDavid makes more money than two Edmonton Eskimos rosters. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, it's the CFL. It's a. Uh, it's not uh, big on money compared to the NHL, but hey, it's it's still it's still awesome. And uh, I heard an interview today with Aunt Rennie Ambrosi, and um, man, he's got a big big plan for CFL. It's called CFL 2.0. Uh, we've seen him go to Mexico. There was a combine. There was a draft. Eskimos pick first, picked a pretty speedy receiver, so we'll see what happens. And now Randy Ambrosi's embarked on a 10-day European journey, and he wants to grow the CFL brand and take it to other parts of the country, and it seems, or the world, and it seems a little far-fetched, but I'll tell you, if you're a Canadian football player who's through your eligibility at U Sports and you have nowhere to play, the chance to go to Mexico, the chance to go to Germany, uh, go to England, go wherever they're playing football at a professional level, it helps to raise that league's profile, that league's quality of play, and that might be a chance for a Canadian player to go play in the CFL. So, And it's about growing revenues. And right now the CFL revenues, it was growing, it, growing for years, but now it's starting to stagnate. And it doesn't help you have the issues in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and those issues are not going to be fixed easily. So I'm a bit of a skeptic about CFL 2.0, but I tell you, it, it was interesting yesterday, too, to see the Players Association. After a week, a week ago, Brian Ramsey comes out, who's the number two man in the uh, in the Players Union, 
and come out strong and say, you know, this is about respect and and letting the players have more of a say uh, about league matters. And, you know, we're not going to sit in the corner and be asked to shut up anymore and, and, and don't say anything. And then yesterday they go, we love CFL 2.0. They haven't even sat down and negotiate yet. But, um, yeah, the, the CBA is uh, going to get done. When is it going to get done? Probably towards training camp. Until then, you'll see player movement and signings. So, and of course, everyone in Edmonton wants Mike Riley back. I know the Eskimos want him back in the worst way, and they're doing everything they can. But that's what free agency is for a player. It's really their decision. So, you know what everyone in Edmonton and the Eskimos hope? Mike Riley comes back. All right. Uh, simple, simple text here. Oilers need a strong veteran to show the way. Sure. Uh, this, uh, text has no name. Nope. Uh, my spider sense was out when Shirelli traded Sagan, ticked off Bruin fans, and for losing that trade with Erickson. Anybody notice you love the big, risky, splashy deals? We'll pay for years. Oilers in the desert. This is going to take time. This is going to take time. You know, there's a lot of salary that has to be shed to allow the next general manager to do the work that's needed to be done to help this team get back to where they were two years ago and beyond. It's not going to be easy at all. Found it interesting that uh, Bob Stoffer, I think he dropped a hint there when talking about Taylor Hall. What is he going to do in 2020 when he's an unrestricted free agent? And said there might be a certain center he might be attracted to play with. Hmm. Could be an ex-teammate named Connor McDavid. Found that interesting. You know what? what is uh, a good story? It doesn't get talked about enough. The play down on the farm. The Bakersfield Condors have won eight straight games. And they are rolling hot right now. And this guy is playing really well. Joseph Gambardella was named the American Hockey League Player of the Week. Uh, fresh off the All-Star Weekend as well in Springfield. And uh, joins us now. Joseph, uh, nice to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. Thank you very much for having me. Well, you are the uh, American Hockey League Player of the Week. You had quite the week, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, you just got back from All-Star Weekend in uh, in Springfield, correct? Yes. Uh, me and my girlfriend just got back uh, late last night, and uh, today we're enjoying the only day off where we got to get back to the grind tomorrow. So tell me about All-Star Weekend. Uh, and, you know, it's always an honor when you're selected to go play in these things. And I know, you know, I'm sure there's some guys that maybe would rather have the time off. But uh, did, did you relish the opportunity to just to go and, and represent uh, represent Bakersfield and, uh, and uh, you know, just kind of show off your stuff, especially that beard of yours? <laughs> you know, uh, absolutely. Uh, I took full advantage of it. Um, like you mentioned, other guys like rather have vacation and stuff. But uh, it was actually a trip back to the East Coast for me and my girlfriend. So we went back. We got to enjoy uh, my my immediate family, my cousins, my godson, my mom, my dad, two brothers got to make the trip out there. And, uh, it was only a three-hour drive from New York. So that's always a blast. And anytime you get to go and represent the team that you're playing for, it's always a big honor and a big privilege. And uh, I was very happy that I was able to share that also with my teammate Cooper Marodi. Right. So we, it was nice to nice to be there with somebody and enjoy. And also, I got to play on the same team as one of my former goaltenders, Kevin Boyle, the San Diego Gulls. So it was uh, nice to kind of rekindle that, go back to Massachusetts, right around the town where I went to college and stuff. So 
Um, it was a great, great chance to go back there and uh, enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, get some East Coast love. And, and you're from Staten Island, New York, right? Yes. Yeah, so that that's nice to go home and kind of it's a nice little family and friend reunion for you then. Right, exactly. So I was able to, I had about eight or between eight and ten people come out and support uh, support the All Star Challenge, All Star Weekend, and uh, it's always great when you get to go back and see family, especially throughout a long season. Now, as far as the format for the games go, it's it's like a it's a four division tournament, isn't it? Uh, four. Uh, so every, every like the NHL, you have uh, you have all stars for each division, uh, but for the American Hockey League, it's a four team tournament, right? Right. Yeah, it's four team tournament. Uh, plays each other once, so you're guaranteed at least three games. Um, it's two five minute halves, running time minus uh, goals for stoppages. And the two teams with the best record wound up moving on. How competitive was it? Um, to be honest, it was more competitive than I thought. But uh, <laughs> a lot of the guys were just taking it in and enjoying it. Um, like for myself, for instance, like I couldn't stop smiling the whole time. Like uh, I was really just trying to enjoy the whole atmosphere in itself and um, take it all in because it was a very, very special moment. And then the championship—we didn't make the championship. But if you saw the championship game, there were no goals. It was all defense, and the game wound up going for a shootout. Oh, love it when it comes down to that, uh, you know, and, and it just shows you, I mean, all-star games get a bad rep, but uh, I think when you have a format like you're talking about with the NHL and, and what you're talking about with the American Hockey League, um, I mean, the competitive juices just naturally come out, don't they? Yeah, exactly, and uh, that that's exactly what happened over the, the all-star break at the all-star game. So, it was uh, again, it was a very fun, competitive environment. Everybody made the best of it. Uh, it was nice to see all the skill that the league has to offer and uh, – Again, like a lot of these guys, you you, uh, you see it somewhere down the road, whether it was college or juniors or even the pro-life, so it's nice to always rekindle the relationships. Joined by uh, Joe Gambardella of the Bakersfield Condors here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Okay, you got to tell the story about the beard. You've been growing this beard for, uh, what, since since the beginning of the season. Uh, tell me why you're growing the beard and, and why you're not stopping. Uh, what, what's going on here? Um, yeah, so... And uh, in training camp this year back in Edmonton, me and my friend Evan Pola, who plays on the Condors with me, just decided to have a challenge of uh, who can grow the beard the longest and whoever shaves first kind of loses. It's a, a small bet, uh, just 50 bucks on the line, nothing crazy at all, but it's just more, uh, I, I think it's more of a, from a competitive standpoint, it's just, it's more the principle of the bet, not so much the $50 of it, but like to push yourself, see how far you can go and um, I haven't touched it. The only parts that we're allowed to trim up is around the mouth area. So when you're, you're swallowing your food for the day, you're not taking in a, a fur hairball. But uh, we've uh, we've been going with it. It is really grizzly, grizzly down there too. So it's uh, we're, we're enjoying it. We walk into the locker room every day. We check each other's beards, make sure no one's got any uh, extra trimmings going on. Now, uh, how's your girlfriend reacting to all this, though? Uh, you know, I got to say, like, at first she was like, Okay, and then um, she's like, all right, like, how much longer are we going to go with this? And I'm like, babe, I'm growing it for the rest of the season. And I got to say, she's been very supportive. I'm just very happy that she didn't take uh, a buzzer to it in the middle of the night yet. Ah, very good, very good. That 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 that's excellent to hear. We're joined by uh, Joe Gambardella of the Bakersfield Condors here on six thirty. Chet Inside Sports. As I mentioned, you were named the American Hockey League Player of the Week after registering four goals, including two game winners, six points in four contests, and your team is now have won eight straight games. So, two part question. First, tell me what's going well with the team right now, and what's going well with your game. 
Uh, well, going well with the team right now is, uh, I think, Coach uh, Jay Woodcroft, ever since he's come down to the Bakersfield organization, has really done a, a good job implementing the team attitude, the team uh, competitiveness, the team strategy day in and day out. Um, and really, him and the two coaches, Dave Manson and J.F. Hull, have brought uh, a whole different perspective to the team this year. And I, I think uh, every day, every week, every month, the team has taken bigger strides of coming together and doing the little things right every day. You know, we're focusing on the everyday details. And lately, as of the last uh, eight games, it's really starting to click and really starting to pay off for us. And uh, we're just really happy with what's been going on down here. Uh, my game, you know, my individual individual success does not come without team success. And I got to really give compliments to my two line mates, Brad Malone and Patrick Russell, who I've had the privilege of playing with uh, throughout the entire season. Uh, we all complement each other's game really well. Those two are two incredible hockey players. I'm very privileged and honored to play with them day in and day out. We all played the college uh, college hockey style, so we all kind of build around each other's games. Yeah, you're talking about your game, uh, uh, 19 uh, goals. That's tied for the team lead, 32 points are tied for second. Uh, you're behind Tyler Benson, who leads uh, with 34 points. Uh, you're on a on a current six-game point streak. Uh, you were recently in Edmonton. You had four games with the Oilers. Um, what did you take from that experience, and, and what do you think that experience did for your game going back to Bakersfield? Um, yeah, I was uh, being called up, you know, it was uh, the best day of my life. I got to see a dream come true. Uh, you, know, you never know when that phone call comes, and I was very privileged to get that phone call and play the four games that I did. And I think it just sets you up with a different level of confidence, uh, knowing the kind of hockey player you are and what you bring to the table every day. And while I was up there for those two and a half weeks, um, they, they did teach me a lot up there, and I was able to bring that down. And I'm, I'm showing up to the rink every day with a willingness to learn, and I think that's a huge part of it. And you got to compete in the skills competition, too. Yeah, I did. Uh, puck battles aren't a skill in a skills competition yet, but I'm hoping eventually, sooner or later, that they'll add them for the years to come. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, you know, I, I want to ask you this question. So you've spent time here in Edmonton. Uh, you've had, you know, Kyler Yamamoto up uh, up, up here as well, uh, Cooper Marodi, Caleb Jones, uh, Patrick Russell. Do you notice when you, you see everyone back uh, in Bakersfield and you're playing and you're on a great run right now, as I mentioned, winning eight straight um do you notice layers being added to their game it's always disappointing to get sent down but can you see that you know they're kind of rounding into the players that they need to be absolutely you know anytime a player uh, gets sent down you always, you never wish that upon anybody but you definitely do see the steps that they've taken in their game and the steps that they've gone pursuing forward i think like i mentioned before Confidence is a big part of it. Like you know the player you are, and that you deserve to get to that level, so you know you can play at that NHL level. That's why you got the call up. And when you're sent down, you know now that we're all back together again, you see the confidence that they bring day in and day out. But also the leadership that they could take part in, because even though uh, we get sent back down up there, you're not exactly the biggest leader. When down here, everyone looks up to you. They want to know what your experience was like and stuff. So you kind of you take people under your wing. And I think the, the players this year, Caleb Jones, Cooper Marodi, Patrick Russell. Like you mentioned, I think they've done a really good job of that, and you see their games improving because of it. Well, Joe, it's, uh, it was nice to speak to you here today, so thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on uh, being named AHL Player of the Week. You're on a good run with the uh, with the Condors right now, and I, I'm glad you really enjoyed All-Star Weekend. Uh, get the chance to go back to the, to the East Coast and Springfield and uh, see some family and friends, and uh, all the best as well with, the, with growing the beard, okay? Win that bet. 
Dave, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, great to chat with Joseph Gambardella, who uh, signed, uh, going back to the history of uh, Gambardella with the organization, he signed an amateur tryout deal with the Condors back in 2017, and then the rest is history, and made his debut uh, on July the... No, July. Uh, July. Where did I get July from? Wishing it was summer. That's probably why. Uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, 20... Yeah, New Year's Eve. 2018. There you go. Um, and he played four games, minus one, and doing a great job down in Bakersfield. Uh, tied for the team lead in goals with 19. Tied for second in points with 32. Two points back of Tyler Benson. And the Condors are on an eight-game winning streak. All right, welcome back to the show. After one period of play in Pittsburgh, the Penguins still up 3-0 on the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what's crazy about this game? The Lightning are out shooting the Penguins 16 to 5. That's not good. Where's that all-star MVP when you need him? Yeah, no kidding. My goodness. But they're up 3 nothing. Oh, that's a that's not a stellar goaltending performance at all. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Uh the possession numbers must be sick and and overwhelmingly in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it's not in favor of the Lightning on the scoreboard. It's overwhelmingly in favor of the Penguins. And Evgeny Malkin became the fourth Russian player to record 600 assists in that period. He also required the fewest games to reach that milestone as he is, uh, he is playing his career game number 834 tonight. So he joins Pavel Datsuk, Sergei Zubov, and Sergei Fedorov as the only other Russian players to record 600 assists in Malkin no doubt by career's end will be the uh, uh, highest uh, assist or be the assist leader among Russians in NHL history. There's another game going on tonight in Dallas. The Stars are up one nothing on the Buffalo Sabres. Jamie Benn scores his 19th goal of the season. And the Stars, I'll tell you, it has not gone well for them lately. They have uh, dropped four of their last five games or hosting the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, going back to December 9th, they only have an 8-11-1 record. They have scored just 45 goals. That's 2.25 goals per game. And Jamie Benn has just scored his 19th goal of the season. Uh, earlier, we uh, had Bob Stoffer on the show, and uh, we asked him about Joel Pearson, the Swedish defenseman who was signed yesterday to a one-year contract extension uh, by the Oilers and could be making his way to the NHL next season. Uh, Mike Zanier, who is... Uh, a former Oiler goaltender in the system, and he is now in Sweden uh, covering uh, the Swedish uh, hockey leagues over there. Uh, he was on Oilers Now today with Bob and talked about the progression of Pearson. It's been a, a quick one. Yeah, he was in the fourth division uh, four years ago, and then he, you know they brought him up here to Vecchia last year, sort of and sort of as an experiment, a project, and he just happened. He took off like a rocket, and he never stopped. And I see. I no. I don't think. I know he's a lot better this year than he was last year. He's more complete. He controls the game out there. Most games, he's a he's a guy who controls the game. And what is the NHL comparable for Joel Pearson? I, I what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's kind of like a John Klingberry type, okay. and uh, from from Dallas. And he's he's a, he's a, he's a really good puck mover. He's a good skater. He sees the ice well. The thing here in Sweden is they play such defensive hockey, so he doesn't get the green light to go often. 
but he can go when he when he sees the opportunity. Uh, here in, in Vexha, they he's the only guy who can really move the puck for their team, and, and they they have a team this year that has, has struggled scoring goals. But he's you know he's the the key to all their goals. So there you go. So factors into the offense at uh, Vaxjo very much, and could be. Bob talked about it earlier. You know, second, third pairing defenseman. Same with Evan Bouchard. You know, don't know who would be the second, the third, that sort of thing. So, um, but a possibility for the Oilers, maybe a possibility for the Bakersfield Condors. Text comes in asking uh, where are the Condors in the standings and what's their record? The record is 24-15-3. They are second in the Pacific Division, three points behind the San Jose Barracuda. You like that, Patrick? Barracuda. (laughs) There you go. News is next from the 630 Chad 24-Hour News Center with Thomas Dice. When we come back, we head to Atlanta GA. We talk Super Bowl 53. Hear from Roger Goodell as well. That much more. Second hour of 630 Chad Inside Sports on the way for this Wednesday evening. Campbell in for Wilkins tonight. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.